Hello, hi. Uh, we're back after two weeks, maybe a month. After some time. After some time, we've come back to no concessions. Maybe You're, down, but we're not out. Yes, correct. We're like here a phoenix. With the, with the DCC gang. Uh, <laughs> two Charleses and a Denzel. Denzel sandwich. Yes. One Denzel, two Charles. Two Charles, one Denzel. I think that's how that works. Sure. Yes. Hello, Charles. Hello. Hello, Charles. How dare you go before me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just seizing the moment. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, Welcome to No Concessions, your favorite movie podcast where we explore subgenres of movies. Uh, This week's subgenre is a character gets a haircut that's not actually a haircut. (laughs) This week, we're reviewing Surviving the Game. What year was it? It was like 93? 93. 93. 94. My uh, legally obtained copy says 1994 in the title. Okay, excellent. We're reviewing Surviving the Game from 1994, suggested by Samurai Jack the Face Ripper from our little list that we've been curating of movies that we should watch. The show is changing. Uh, There's no more Patreon as of... I guess two days from now, but no more Patreon. So don't go to patreon.com slash no concessions because that doesn't exist. Join the Discord instead. Yes, the link to the Discord will be in the show notes. The reason for this is I'm very busy now and I'll be even more busy in the future. So I don't have time to curate the content on the Patreon or yeah, I guess it's really on the Patreon and the show I can't do weekly anymore. So it's going to every other week. And you'll like it just as much as you did before, just half as often. <laughs> so, but each episode will be twice as good. So yes. it's a, a net no change at all. Well, maybe. This, we, one's we not shaping up. <laughs> this one's not shaping up to be twice as good as the last one. I don't even remember what the last one was. Oh, it was Falling, falling down. down. Yes, Falling Down. That was a really good movie. Yeah, it was. There, there's still going to be a website, but I mean... The content on the website has always been lacking anyway, so it's not like it ever made a big difference. You'll get what you get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a free show. What do you expect? Yeah, what you want for free, man? Anyway, tell all your friends to listen to it. And if I start making more money from this podcast than I do at my job, which is never going to happen, <laughs> but you can always prove me wrong. Tell all your friends to listen. Venmo and, link in the show notes. No, don't Venmo me. I want sponsors so we can... No, never mind. Yeah, we, need those, we need those numbers. Yeah, we need to so start reading that mattress ad copy. What yeah, about exactly. a Facebook Libra link, maybe? No. Let's try and get Zuckerberg's uh, new currency <laughs> rolling. Oh my God. That's a nightmare. That's nightmare fuel. That's <laughs> literally the dystopian future that I don't want. Yes. Imagine Facebook getting its own currency and then buying a country. Please. One step closer to a Blade Runner future <laughs> is one step worth taking. Oh my God. They buy their own country, subvert all the labor laws. They quote unquote pay people, but they don't pay people yeah, it's all in their <laughs> own currency which they can fluctuate the value of it a whim yeah it's gonna be just like china except run by a lizard man <laughs> instead of winnie the pooh apparently <laughs> narc fucker nerd over here just making <laughs> fucking cop that dude's a cop <laughs> anyway let's uh let's move into today's show for the first segment today we've got the joker talk so charles here 
you can't see who I'm looking at because <laughs> this is an audio show, has seen the Joker. And he's a, you've brought in a little micro review for us. Yeah, uh, it was very, very good. Uh, there were several points while I was watching it where I, I kind of expected the uh, lazy Hollywood hack screenwriter um, strategies to come into play. Oh, there's this love interest that's shown up who's got no character of her own. She just kind of exists to sit on the arm of the main character. But spoilers, I mean, the movie's been out like, what, three weeks, four weeks now. Time is relative, and I have no concept of it. If you were going to see it, you'd have seen it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Spoilers anyway, all the stuff that you see between Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker, and... um, Zazie Beats. Girl from uh, Atlanta. Zazie Beats. (laughs) Everything was was all hallucination. Is that is she is is her producer drop Zazzy Beats? Her actual name. She is not a SoundCloud rapper. <laughs> Jesus. Shout outs. Shout out. Is that like her birth name or her stage? I don't name? know if it's her birth name. It's like what she's credited as. Vanessa. Zazzy. That's her Atlanta name. It's been a while since okay. I've seen. She's that. also Domino. Oh, very nice. In Deadpool two. Anyway, yeah. So he. It's a. Uh, it's Sorry. all a figment of his broken imagination because he's got brain trauma from his mother mistreating him. And that's how all serial killers get made, I think. So maybe if there was kind of a hack uh, writing shortcut, it was, well, um, it wasn't actually the Joker's mother. He was adopted from um, undisclosed person or persons. But aside from that, very good. Had some elements of the machinist. I don't know if you've seen that, but that's... That's a movie where Christian Bale weighs 120 pounds and is shirtless for about half of the movie to show off how disgustingly thin he looks. But there's also some kind of figments of imagination. You're not really sure what's real and what's not from watching it. Um, what else was compelling about it? There, Aside from the first half dragging a bit with maybe one too many slow-mo shots of joker dancing after he's just killed somebody uh the second half uh, is really snappy and it really picks up especially leading up to the end where they couldn't help but shoehorn in another batman origin story scene where there's a bunch of riots happening in the city and uh the wayne family is trying to get home safely they get accosted by some random guy who shoots them because oh fuck rich people die mr wayne bang bang eat the rich (laughs) uh i would say that it's possibly one of the top three superhero movies of the modern superhero era i think it had more to say than any any marvel movie i've seen and to be fair the type of movie that all the Marvel movies are just like fun entertainment for the most part, at least how I see them and the front of a hot wheels package, (laughs) but like as a movie. Yeah, exactly. You go in and you turn off your brain for two hours and you get kind of awed by the spectacle. And then you think about it after you've seen it and you're like, why did I pay $12 for that? (laughs) Or in my case, why wasn't I drunker during that? (laughs) But this movie, even though it was super serious about itself, it didn't come off kind of on the cornier side of things as other DC movies have been. That's good. That's good. What'd you think? I I haven't seen it. Oh, no, no. You, I'm the only one who's seen it. <laughs> yes. Of the three of us here. Yes. You are the only one who's seen it. There are two kinds of movies that I hate. 
There's the we're just watching people do stuff movies, i.e. funny games, where you just see these two dudes kind of roll in and torture people and leave. And it's like, what, what was the point of that? There, this, there's no like A to B here. It's just that this dude rolls in with his friend, torches his family, and then leaves. And I know it's supposed to be a com- uh, commentary on the horror genre as a whole. <laughs> and it's supposed to be very, uh, very... What, Visceral, like, maybe. Meta. It's supposed to be like a very meta... It's a meta commentary on horror. And I don't care because I don't watch horror like that. So I, I can't say one way or the other yeah. what any of that shit's yeah, supposed to be. You're not there mean. for the deconstruction. You're just like, is this a movie that works? Yeah. yeah. Why am and I not doesn't. entertained? It, Russell Crowe, help me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of those movies where I was entertained during it. And another one that I, don't, I just generally don't like is, oh, this person made this all up in their head or, Oh, this was all a dream. And it's just, I heard about how it ends and I was just like, well, I don't need to go see that. (laughs) Uh, there was a, a strong undercurrent of like commentary on how society kind of writes off the mentally ill because, uh, every program that the Joker character is in before he, adopts the persona of quote unquote the joker gets taken away from him oh he has this uh social worker who's trying to encourage him to write out his thoughts in some journal and then uh, her department gets shut down because of city budget cuts so now he can't get access to any of the medication he was taking and now he's becoming more and more of a homicidal maniac Uh, so i like the that part of it it kind of like what i was talking about before with it had something to say that wasn't just like oh we've never explored the past of the joker before what if he's from a carnival where he was abused as a child and that's why he's decided to adopt this clown persona i have a take okay this is probably and i can feel it percolating in my head this is probably one of the worst takes that i've had in a long time but please bear with me you explaining that to me and from what i can tell based on the criticism that i've seen about the movie is that there's a direct through line basically throughout the movie where it's a commentary on what you've mentioned where it's uh society's treatment of people who are mentally ill on top of that there's another layer of chit chat or commentary as people call it about being poor and having a mental illness as well and how that would impact your life. Not to I don't want to sound cold or anything, but I don't care about that. Not to say that in real life, that stuff doesn't have a real visual impact on people and things. It's just that I, I don't want to see that movie, right? I immerse myself in a lot of terrible things in my daily life and me being aware of that and the conditions that plague underprivileged people in real life. That's not something that I want to see when I go watch a movie. It's just a reminder of when I walk out of the movie theater, how big of a bummer life is. <laughs> oh, I love those kinds of movies. Yeah. Lucky you. Lucky <laughs> you. But I mean that, that kind of stuff is not necessarily for me. And there are ways that you could draw me in and sucker me like, Oh, there was a lesson here the whole time. Ah, you got me. <laughs> but it being as ham-fisted as like, yo, 
this dude's mentally ill and the city's coming after shit. Not, not necessarily a huge fan of that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's probably not the type of movie I would see again. Like even, even the Marvel type of movies I was just talking about. I like rewatching those on occasion just because it is spectacle and it's fun to watch. And this one it's, it's more thinky, but it's not thinky in the sense of I need to deconstruct everything that's happening. Uh, it is very, it's a very tell it like it is type of movie where there's not really much beyond what you're seeing on the screen already. This is good. Now he, he's coming back from his meeting with the social worker in the first act. And he arrives at the bottom of those, uh, those stairs in the Bronx and Oh, look how tall the stairs are. He's got to climb over this obstacle to get home every day. Yeah. Okay. Movie. I see what you're doing there. Nice. Nice. Does he live in the Bronx? It's never specified that it's, well, I mean, it it takes place in Gotham Gotham city. Oh, okay. But that's where that part was filmed. And apparently there's a bunch of Instagram people going to those stairs now and getting robbed or at least accosted. Yeah. Cause it's in the fucking Bronx. (laughs) What blew my mind is already, already somebody sexed up the Joker outfit and went out on those stairs and took a bunch of sexy photos. And I was just like, yo, you guys got to fucking relax. Anything for those likes. You got to fucking relax. It took what? It was before the movie came out, too, I think. It was probably in that same week. Yeah, some cosplayer was just like, yo, I love the Joker. He speaks to me as a character. I'm going to say this. This is this is the second hot take of this episode. <laughs> if you admire the Joker or if you look up to the Joker in any way, in any incarnation, you're weird. Go get help. <laughs> yeah, go see somebody because... You can't, if you're like, yo, society's got me down, society's got me fucked up, I just want to see the world burn, go talk to a therapist, B. Like, yeah, before their funding gets cut, like in the movie. <laughs> see what yeah. they did there? Chances are, if you idolize the Joker in that way, you've got the means to go, yeah. go see a therapist. People going through shit uh, don't have time to be like, I wish everything <laughs> were burned down. <laughs> Watch it burn. Or, luckily, I mean, it's mostly teenagers that I've seen, so it's like, yo, you're still on your parents' insurance. Hopefully they have insurance. So go see a fucking therapist. What happened to $5 copays? What happened to that? What happened uh, to Insurance no companies are trash. That's what happened. Yeah, dog. Yeah, I haven't had a $5 copay since 20, 2004. <laughs> back in your day? Yeah, back in my day. Fuck. Have you guys watched Watchmen? Who watches no, Watchmen? Yes. I watched the first no. episode yesterday. How'd you feel about it? I'll give it a second episode, and if it doesn't grab me in the second one, I'm not. So can you break down the plot for us so far? Not really. Is Dr. Um, Manhattan back already? So, Are they just going to tease that for the entire season until he shows up in the last scene of the last episode? So, hey, come watch season two, everyone. It's not even going to be that. What it's going to be, it's going to be a blue glow. Yeah, well, And that, they're not even going to show his face uh, or the big blue God. floppy dick. That'd be really sick if it just ended with a <laughs> zoom in <laughs> punching of his dick. Or he just like floats in the frame. <laughs> dick first and then it pans up but doesn't make it all the way to his face <laughs> and the episode cuts off uh yeah i'd watch Watchmen then i'd the watch just that gift. episode <laughs> that'd be the best gift <laughs> okay charles so, episode one it starts with the quote-unquote tulsa race riots um it starts with a bunch of white people taking down black wall street and oh, no yes already a bad start it's because up to up to the Nixon presidency, the Watchmen universe is 
identical. Um, aside from like the 40s when vigilantes started showing up. But uh, obviously, like if you're familiar with the source material, none of the superheroes have powers until Dr. Manhattan. And even then, he's the only one. But there's this whole like 10, maybe 10 minute sequence at the beginning where it's this uh, quote unquote race riot that took place in 1927. And then it jumps to modern day and not so, so Watchmen the story takes place in like 84 Nixon Watergate never happened Nixon is in his third presidency his third term as president we won Vietnam it's yeah, one we, of the few things I remember from the movie it's been a while you, what was the goal of Vietnam I don't even remember, like what was the win condition for Vietnam in uh, real life? communism from spreading right oh, it really? was like a I could be wrong about this a proxy <laughs> war during the Cold War between the North communists allied with the Soviet Union versus the Southern democracy loving people supported by us. And we couldn't fuck up China right away. So it was like, okay, Vietnam. makes sense. Okay. So and that didn't work out. The wind conditions were, uh, democracy gets spread everywhere. Hooray. And Hooray then, democracy. It's and like red stripe. And we've got, <laughs> <laughs> and then we've got allies in the, uh, in the East for when we want to, fuck some other stuff up later as it's worked so well in south america and the middle east uh, right. in real life oh yeah american foreign policy yeah this thing's saving the world right yeah. now check we, out the docuseries untold history of the united states or check out I think is on Netflix the news still. <laughs> just pick a news station <laughs> anyway. surprise surprise the u.s has done some uh, ethically questionable things in the past <laughs> surprise surprise if you're hanging an american flag in your house i'm looking at you weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've seen way too many like full-on flagpoles in people's yards I'm like what are you celebrating here bud yeah but i know you were probably probably in the military someone so. lied to you to get you into the marines yeah and you were one of the lucky ones who wasn't shot yep you made it back congrats but <laughs> no concessions real real big on the real big on the military here real big on it i'm only in san diego because of the u.s navy but hey what do you know same i'm i'm just here <laughs> no affiliation <laughs> hold on were you born and raised here yes okay all right anyway so it's set in 2019 but in the watchman universe where watergate never happened uh I'm guessing it's not explicitly clear. I'm guessing it's in the universe of the comics and not the universe of the film because there are squid storms where it just rains these tiny squids out of nowhere. Oh, well, they usually have like some warning, like there's a siren and then everyone like stops and tries to get off the street. Is, yeah. Do they ever have like squid bakes where they just catch the raining squid and then do that big Cajun shit yeah, where it's where just mad tables lined up in the city, cook up the squid with like potatoes, corn, and crawfish and shit. Calamari as far as the eye can see. Hey, what a beautiful future. If they're edible, that's definitely what we're doing. <laughs> but jumps to 2019 uh, Tulsa and a black police officer. So all the police officers wear masks. Because police officers are being targeted by this white supremacist group called. Sorry, are they uh, affiliated with Rorschach in any way? The white supremacist group um, calls themselves the 7th Cavalry with a K. 
and they wear Rorschach masks and they are from what I've gathered the current president a president Radford has offered some form of like reparations for racial inequality and it's like a sticking point like it's a problem for a lot of people and that's kind of where this white supremacist group pops out of and so when it jumps to modern day it starts with this guy getting pulled over by a police officer the police officer is wearing a mask and he asked for the dude's license and registration he reached into a glove box and there's a Rorschach mask and the cop's like okay well let me just go back to my cruiser and look up your information and he's like I need I guess their guns are all like locked into their dashboard and they have to be released by someone at the precinct if the serious situation war- warrants it damn that sounds like something that should be incorporated today yeah, i was like that's think? a great fucking idea <laughs> like they don't get to carry their weapons they have to go get them if the same situation warrants it and then they have to justify it to a third party before they can actually act but um it takes too long and the cop gets killed because that guy is a Does member like of, a fucking rocket launcher or something what the fuck? no he's got an assault rifle in the back of his truck oh so he just comes out sprays up the cop's car yeah i thought that shit was bulletproof not in the Watchmen future, it's not. <laughs> so Bulletproof glass hasn't been invented when Reagan gets three terms as president. Next time. Have you, I'm sorry, as an aside, this key, I can keep doing this. I'll try not to. <laughs> There's this video of the CEO of this Bulletproof glass company sitting in his car while somebody takes an AK and just unloads rounds into this glass. And it's one of the most frightening things I've ever seen because I watched that right after I saw the CEO of a car company try to get a car to stop automatically when it sends him so the car doesn't stop and it runs over the CEO in the first video and so the next video I watch is this dude having an AK fired at him while he sits in the car was this served by the YouTube recommended next video no somebody sent them both to me back to back because I was going to say, oh, that seems like a, a logical next recommendation. Here's this one CEO getting destroyed by his own creation. And next on YouTube is another CEO. <laughs> no, how could this possibly go wrong? The, the CEO with the bulletproof glass survived. And you know this because the video is on YouTube. Yep. But the other ones on YouTube. Yeah, it, he didn't get it. Wasn't like the car rolled over. Oh, it was okay. going probably like two or three miles an hour. Oh, coward. But it fucking hit him. And he, I th- think he broke something. He was fucked up for sure. Because yeah, you're like not expecting to get hit. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You just like lock up as soon as something touches you. So you, and if he's CEO of a company, he's probably at least in his like fifties. Yeah. So he probably just locked up, hit the ground. It's a fucking wrap. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'm sorry, Watchmen. So and bulletproof glass. He gets shot, copper. but not killed. And then the plot kicks off with these other officers trying to find the guy who did the shooting because like is the seventh cavalry back i guess they've had like some kind of ceasefire or a truce or some shit but it turns out every police officer wears a mask and certain ranks get to like have their own uniform like whatever they want so we see in the trailers and stuff regina king's character she's she's basically the huntress and she's got her outfit but there's another guy who goes by red scare and he's got 
like a rush, like a red tracksuit. Hold on, what's that mask. the name of uh, Christopher Mintz Plaza's character? Yes. from Kick Ass. <laughs> it sure was. <laughs> oh, sorry. Go and ahead. there's another character like they all the you know the same way like detectives get to wear plain clothes for the most part. It seems to be like that. Um, and they find the guy and they to, like basically fucking torture him, and they're trying to like find out what's going on. And it's just kind of them working this particular case is the whole first episode. But you do see that the police, the police force has the same kind of ship as the owl ship, like night owls ship from the movies. It just says police on it and it's not painted like an owl, but it's got all the same shit. And then they fucking find the dude and they bust this, uh, seventh cavalry, group who was stockpiling watch batteries for some reason they like kind of explained it but don't and then the fucking episode's over i don't oh that sucks it's well like a thing happens and it sets off what's gonna happen but you also briefly see this there's one scene of this guy who lives in a castle played by jeremy irons and he's got two servants that might be robots i don't know if they're real people it's very hard to tell (laughs) from the scene they're in I don't know, man. I, I just feel like HBO's chasing to replace the viewership from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're just trying shit. I get that Watchmen was an immensely popular property 11 years ago. But <laughs> now it's kind of just whatever. That movie came out in 08, right? 08. So. Yeah. Yeah. So again 11 years ago it would have been really cool to have this happen but right now it just yeah. seems out of place I'm, I remember when it was announced and I was like who's this for it's for HBO to try to win back yeah. some viewers I mean I get Regina King is a great actress but so you have cops wearing superhero vigilante outfits Yeah, you got Christopher Mintz Plaz as a detective <laughs> wearing bondage gear <laughs> God damn deep cuts. Yeah. Anyway, it, I I'll, I'll check out the show probably when everything ends. Yeah, I'm gonna give it like there's another episode the day that we're recording this, and so I'll give it another try this week. I'll watch the second one, and if it doesn't like grab me, I'll just wait till it's over and binge it in three months. Fair enough. Thoughts? For your well, uh, I I'm ambivalent about Watchmen. I think at this point. Um, the last time I tried to watch it, it was uh, a little too Zack Snyder-y for me. He's the director, right? Yeah, it's peak Zack Snyder. It was his first. Yeah, what? Made, it was his first film. There, no, three hundred no. was. Wasn't no, three hundred. You're right. Yeah, and then three hundred. No, he didn't yeah. direct the sequel. Three hundred, and then Watchmen, and then Sucker Punch. Yeah, and, and then, then Man of Steel. Three hundred two came he, out between those. Yeah, and he EP'd on three hundred two, right? Yeah. There there was some blog I read forever ago talking about some random movies, and uh, it just has one small aside saying Zack Snyder humorlessness as a type of way that he films stuff. Like, oh, yeah, okay. I totally get that. Just very, very slow moving shots for almost no reason at all. And the last time I watched Watchmen, I really started to pick up on those. And since yeah, then... Yeah, Watchmen fucking drags. That title sequence is great. But and after then that, three hours later, it's, it's over. Oh man, it's so fucking long. <laughs> three hours and few blue dicks later. Yeah, uh, it's 
it's the kind of movie that I would like to have just kind of like on a TV that's hanging on the wall that just plays on a loop on silent forever. <laughs> and uh, aside from that, I, you know, what after having heard that, you can imagine my level of enthusiasm for wanting to see this show. Uh, alternatively, coming out today, the day that we're recording this, not Tuesday when you're going to hear this. Also, coincidentally, my birthday. Happy oh, early birthday, buddy. Thank you. Hooray. Silicon Valley final season comes out today. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I hope I hope they bring it back because the last couple seasons have been kind of not as good compared yep. to the early ones. But I... I'm I'm excited. How was it without TJ Miller? Or was he in the uh, last season? He, I think. They, no, no. This the last season, the previous season was the first one he was not in. Got, yeah. So he's also not in this one. After he called oh, in that drunken, you bomb can't fucking call him bomb threats to airports. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, actually, another fun aside about my relationship with Silicon Valley. I think this is the very first show that I've ever watched from the beginning until it ended. So I, I remember I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I saw a bunch of advertisements for it all over Muni, and I thought, oh, Silicon Valley. Oh, that's, that's almost where I am. That's, that's How prescience. relevant. Maybe I should see this. And, and of course, it was awesome. Uh, you can watch an entire season in one sitting if you want, because I use my time wisely on occasion. <laughs> the first two seasons are very good. I never, didn't. Never I didn't get back it. into it because I didn't have HBO until recently. But oh. the first two seasons are very good. So, what's the difference between HBO Max and HBO Go? I don't know yet. I th- I think it might be if you have a cable subscription or not. What's well, the difference between HBO Go and HBO Now? Yes. HBO Go is with the cable subscription. HBO Now is if you just have HBO like separately or if you do it through your Amazon Prime account like I do. Okay. But HBO Max is going to be in like extended service that covers more of because that's a Warner Brothers joint, right? Yeah. So it's going to be like also including more of what Warner Brothers. We're talking owns. Warner specifically. Yeah. So I hope they put on some wacky adult swim shows. Who knows? Anyway, in our next segment, we review 1994's Surviving the Game. And we're back. This week's subgenre is a guy gets a haircut or a character gets a haircut that's not really a haircut. Is it? Is it? It is not. I mean, technically, he cuts hair off. (laughs) Yeah. uh, No visual distinction at all. Surviving the Game, directed by Ernest R. Dickerson, produced by Fred C. Caruso, written by Eric Burnt. Starring Ice-T, Rutger Hauer, Charles S. Dutton, John C. McGinley, William McNamara, Gary Busey, and F. Murray Abraham. Music by Stuart Copeland. Cinematography by Bojan Bazelli. 
That's a that's a name. Edited by Samuel D. Pollard, released <laughs> on April fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, with a runtime of ninety six minutes, a budget of seven point four million, and a box office of seven point seven million. Yeah, baby, <laughs> breaking even. I'm nope, just. I hope I'm, they didn't advertise too much. Yeah, obvious, obvious. With looking at the cast here, right? <laughs> I was like, "Yo, this movie actually might slap." This is John C. McGinley before he was Doctor Cox. Yeah, fucking Wrecker Hauer post Blade Runner. Yeah, F. Mary Abraham. I think he's a pretty solid stage actor before. Hold up, who's he? Who's he's the dad. The he's Wall senior. Oh, okay, okay. Charles Dutton from uh, Alien Three. Yeah, or that I don't remember if that was before or after this. That was before this. It was before because it was ninety four. Yeah, yeah. Ice T, Ice T is just kind of like whatever. This is right before Johnny Mnemonic too. Oh, it, what? Oh, he's got dreads in that as yeah. well. And so I was like, I had to look up. Did Ice T fucking have dreads for a period <laughs> in the nineties? Because this is two movies in a row where he just inexplicably has dreadlocks. And I could not confirm or deny whether or not he actually had dreadlocks. And that's fair. It's a difficult call. He's got a weird shaped head, too. Yeah. It's very long. His head is mad long. And, like, it looks, it doesn't look as long now because, like, his hair is really short. Yeah. Like, when he's on SVU, it doesn't look as long. But, like, I, if you go back to, like, older seasons, the more hair he has, the longer his fucking head looks. It's really yeah. weird. It, it looks like, like it goes all the way up. Does yeah. that head go all the way up? <laughs> Shit. Anyway, this, with the cast here, if you change out a few of these components, it makes a lot more sense as a movie uh, insofar as the quality goes. Like, if you swap out Rutger Hauer with Eric Roberts. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> or, or Charles S. Dutton, basically, with anybody. John C. McGinley uh, with somebody equivalent. And you leave Gary Busey in it. This whole movie is a super duper B movie. Yeah. I don't know if John C. McGinley was that popular in the nineties. He had mostly, I mean his whole career, he's mostly done television and like small movies like, you know, this and office space and like just small, like bit parts in movies, but mostly television. Yeah. Fair enough. What'd you think of the movie? I thought it was a fun movie. I, it was better than I expected it to be. I didn't look up what the ratings of it were ahead of time. It's a mistake I made with cool world. (laughs) Now, going way back, seeing there was like a 4% rating. and then thinking, Yeah, I got to go into these blinds. If it's a movie I don't reckon, I knew Cool World, so I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but if it's a movie that like I haven't seen, as soon as when I get the, like, what movie to watch, I just go into it. Like, is it available for streaming or do I have to rent it? And then that's as far as I do any research into it. Yeah. Just so I can go into them just fresh. Yeah, I, I checked the streaming services. They were not there, so I procured a copy. Uh, may or may not have rented it. Uh, use your imagination what I actually did. Yeah, he went to Redbox and rented it <laughs> because they have some quantum technology that just burrows straight into their warehouse and somebody hands you the DVD from the other side. DVD. <laughs> yeah. Or Blu-ray. a fucking DVD of surviving the game. <laughs> You're getting a VHS and that, and that uh, slip is water damage as fuck. I want to hear what the special features on this movie are. I want to hear the director commentary. I, I want to see a Gary Busey commentary of this movie. That would be incredible. I want to get Gary Busey and Ice-T in a room now to do a commentary on this movie. What do you think Gary Busey's thoughts were doing this movie? Because this was right around Lethal Weapon 2? Yeah. So he's just in this movie fighting dudes. This is peak Busey, like yeah, in his career, the biggest, the biggest he will ever be. 
Was didn't he have some weird show on Comedy Central? Briefly, yeah, about twelve years ago. I know he was in a few episodes of Entourage, which, of course, Entourage, i.e., let's characterize every single actor that you recognize from Hollywood into the type of person you already expect them to be. Gary Busey's totally zany, and he's exactly like that in this movie as well. Fun fact, the one movie that I've seen him uh, play a totally normal person is Lost Highway from David Lynch. Uh, He's just a normal dad there's nothing remarkable about him whatsoever. And if he was going to be like that kind of a person in any director's movie, it would be a David Lynch movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, he was apparently in the second A Star is Born. What? Uh, so A Star is Born has been remade for, like has been remade three times. He was in the 76 one. Oh, that's interesting. This movie doesn't have a ton going on in it. Hence why we're not actually talking about the movie so far. Yeah, it really doesn't, but it is also only 90 minutes long. Yeah, it was. I'm glad it was short. It fucking gets to it. Like, it, is, it establishes Ice T's Mason as a character. Yeah, and that was very ham fisted. Yeah. First, his dog dies, then his homie dies. Like, For no reason. Five at all. minutes. Yeah. It's like less than 10 minutes of, like, it opens with a dude being hunted. Which is like, okay, well, now we know what the plot of the movie is. But it's also intercut with Ice-T's dog, dog being running. killed. And it's just, a, what do these two things have to do with each other? One, but the most jarring thing to me starting this movie was the music of Stuart Copeland. He's the drummer for the police, but he also did the music for the Spiral of the Dragon games. <laughs> and the opening, the song that's playing in the opening of the scene sounds exactly like something out of Spiral of the Dragon. Really? Huh. I had it, noticed. It was jarring, dude. I was like, what the fuck is, <laughs> what is happening right now? Is this from Spiral of the Dragon? And then, because this is a movie in the 90s, it's, you know, we're seeing credits during the opening sequence. And, and that font Stuart Copeland. Woo. Yeah. Stuart Copeland. So, yeah, it was Stuart Copeland. This is two years. Yeah, this is two years before he started working on the Spyro soundtrack. But all of Stuart Copeland's music sounds that way. If you, like, go back to his stuff in the 80s um, that he did separate from the police, this is how all of his music sounds. So, as we said, the movie starts with somebody being hunted, which I think was a detriment to the movie. If they had kept it secret, what was going to happen? I think it would have worked better. Yeah, the trailer, which that's the only thing that i saw before going into this movie was oh let's hunt the most dangerous game you're like oh well we've all heard that title before well apparently this movie is loosely based off the book where that phrase comes from I mean, oh, maybe that's book. the title of the book short story short story that's right uh, i only saw that on tv tropes like half an hour ago so <laughs> my my what minimal are, prep before it's, coming uh, in it's a little short story about a guy who's hunted yeah, this is rich Just, people hunting. Yeah, poor so people for you support. know what that kind of reminded me of in Predator. The very first scene is you see a spaceship fly by Earth, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger and his band of macho buddies are going through the jungle for like forty-five minutes or so, and then an alien shows up. But wouldn't it have been way better yeah. of a movie if you didn't see the spaceship? Yeah, they're just on this dumb beginning. rescue mission that goes south, That's and then alien shows the up. The only way I've ever seen it, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I I've never seen the spaceship in the beginning of the movie. Hmm. Oh, hmm. I don't. Maybe I just have been watching it at weird intervals. You start the movie, you go, go like, like get a drink. drink. Yeah, and he comes, you come sit down because it's only like twenty seconds long. Yeah, and there's never, really no reason for it to be there. It's it almost makes me think that 
it's from some like producer interference yeah it's like a studio thing yeah, yeah. like oh the audience is going to be confused if they're not told it's an alien ahead of time so let's just put this little spaceship that in there. makes it so much worse yeah and i haven't even seen it and just envisioning that just makes that movie way it worse it really detracts from the mystery yeah this fucking thing came out of no Anyway, we're not talking about Predator. We're talking about surviving the game. Yes. Yeah, it is loosely based on the short story, The Most Dangerous Game, where a group of rich people hunt a poor person for sport. Yeah. Again, not a ton happens in this movie. So Ice-T tries to kill himself at one point, and Charles C. Dutton's like, nah, homie, I've been watching you for too many days to let you do this to yourself. That's not what he says. But uh, Charles S. Dutton has been watching ice tea from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. He volunteers with the homeless shelter. Yes. And as a way to get prey for his uh, rich friends to hunt, which is crazy. He's like some insanely wealthy dude. Yeah. Who volunteers at a church so he can find homeless people to kidnap. It's brilliant. Uh, as an idea, <laughs> this is the kind of thing you're going to do, but it's also fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting concept i guess if you were to say this to me in five minutes like if you were to play this out as like a short yeah i think it would be a really good thing but i think this movie's elongated to the point where it's like well you could chop out maybe about 20 minutes of this yeah you cut the amount of hunters in half you immediately gain half an hour back yeah you don't need the father-son duo Mm, you just get rid of them you also don't need the homeless veteran who dies the next day (laughs) like Ice T's best friend. I, his oh, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, yeah, yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. ten minutes of the movie, his his old guy, veteran, homeless buddy says, Ice T it's not really his name. Ice T, you gotta get back on your feet. You've been knocked down too many times. You gotta promise me, you're gonna get back on your feet. And then he wakes up the next morning and the old guy's dead for no reason. Just, they couldn't even throw in like, Oh, I've got some some bad cough that's nope. unexplained. I He's can't just afford to get old homeless man. But to be fair, that just happens. <laughs> I think it would have been really cool. Uh, maybe it would have made the movie worse if Charles S. Dutton had killed him. Just like I, I, th- I think one thing I would do differently is instead have uh, the guy who gets killed in the. If you're gonna do a guy gets killed in the opening sequence, have that dude be someone that Mason knows. Yeah. Yeah. So that there's like kind of a setup where it's like, Yo, have you seen Have you seen Billy from down the block? where's that motherfucker <laughs> i've been watching this dog for days and then the dog dies that would have made a lot more sense yeah anyway charles s dutton recruits ice tea after ice tea tries to walk in front of a truck on a street and the truck just doesn't stop it doesn't even honk its fucking horn it's, it's the guy there aren't even cell phones back then. yeah i can't be uh, checking his texts yeah, or anything staring straight ahead in the no middle of the day on to a be busy distracted street. by either i'm sorry there are cell phones they're just incapable of texting <laughs> yeah you're not you're not texting you're not driving. looking at a screen yeah you know what it's just staring at you're just picture. typing boobs over and over again <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so horned up right now so horned up uh, parentheses space period space parentheses. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit I so Charles S. Dutton grabs him and he convinces him like, "Yo, you need a job. I got a job for you, Playboy. Go see my man's. You were about to kill yourself anyway. Go see my man's." And so I see takes the card and goes to see Rutger Hauer, whose name is Burn Burns Burns. Okay, Burns. 
and they have a short conversation and <laughs> Burns has him do some uh, PT physical training. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, running like three and a half miles an hour on a treadmill from what it looks uh, like. What's that testing called in uh, middle school? Oh, it's fuck. Testing. What is that? I used to administer that test. What is it fucking called? <laughs> oh, is it like shit. a very bureaucratic sounding title? No, it's something test. It's not physical test. Yeah, there's a name for it, but it's also like, it's that shit where it's just a monotone dude, just, and this weird <laughs> stock jazz where it's like, the such and such fitness test will now begin. Ready? <laughs> begin. <laughs> and it's just on a loop for however long, because it's, the, the students have to just do whatever exercise it is until like as a group until the last person stops and so but he's also counting reps every single time so if it's um push-ups if, yeah if it's push-ups he's counting One. and it's like beep two beep <laughs> three beep <laughs> it's insane well, none of that was exposed to ice tea here. <laughs> One of the guys, I don't know. Rucker Howard just has him run on a treadmill because he sees him smoking. Yeah. And he's like, are yeah, you. What's, your, what's that lung capacity hitting for? Yeah. Like, are you healthy enough for this to be. Hitting? Can we hunt you? He's like, if you can run on this for half an hour, I'll give you 20 bucks right now. And it's 1993 money. So that shit was popping because minimum wage was 425. Oh, shit. And so he takes that money, goes to stay in a motel, and that's where he gives himself a haircut with a razor that he's with got. with a razor blade. And like when he touches it at first, I'm like, is he going to fucking kill himself? <laughs> I thought that's what he was going to do. In this right. bathtub? Because that's such like, can I still feel? That's and he runs like, <laughs> fingertip across the blade. Yeah, that is very like suicide iconography is just being found in a warm bathtub because it <laughs> slice open those veins, yeah. fall asleep. Take a little nappy nap. And never wake up. Yeah. But no, he just starts like cutting his dreads. Where they've like sun bleached or something? I don't know. He just cuts the bottoms of his They're dreads. Very, they look very well maintained for a dude who's been homeless for it's, two years. It's the latest yeah. in the derelict style, I think. That's what all the homeless guys want to look like. <laughs> but he's like, he's cutting them. And you see, he's like, it cuts to just the floor and he's like dropping hair and stuff. But then you see him the next day and he still has like past shoulder length dreads like wait a minute he changed his mind part way through must have been it he's like i need more formal dreads <laughs> these go too long these are these aren't military approved <laughs> dreads yeah like cut them below shoulder length but we also see in that scene he's got burns on his back and the guy who knocks on his door is named burns and he hands him clothes he's like i've sized you up pussy put these on and they're nice clothes yeah. it's like solid athletic and hunting gear yeah and quick note he does not know he's getting hired to be hunted he thinks he's going to be like a hunting guy he's like i don't know anything about hunting he's like we will give you some a few days to learn and kind of get used to being outside and we just need somebody to take us around and then we'll pay you five hundred dollars a week which is 12.50 an hour but again in 1994 money yeah I, what's that translate to today? It's like 17 bucks an hour or something? No, it's... Like, I mean, triple minimum wage, Doing the wage, scale, I it's guess. three times minimum wage. So that'd be like $36, $37 an hour. Oh, well... Oh, so money now is worth 
three times as it was three I didn't times do, as much in 94 as it was in 94 yeah i didn't do the actual like inflation scale oh, i just okay. pert you guys yeah. principal e to the power rate times time i think all right nigga you do the math I don't <laughs> oh sorry you know you lost me here playboy um anyway so yeah it's like a, it's a bunch of fucking money especially for a dude who's been homeless for two years yeah and so he's down and he gets they drive out a long distance There's, i guess it's supposed to be seattle i don't know if it's established that it's seattle at the beginning of the movie it's weirdly think. established at the end of the movie yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i was thinking I was like did i because i just i just started the movie and i just sat already like i didn't need to get up at all during the film so i was like i don't remember it saying seattle and that skyline in one of the establishing shots is philadelphia <laughs> i've been to philadelphia a bunch it's just the philly skyline they did shoot That's so sick they did shoot in washington but for whatever reason one of the establishing shots is just philadelphia that's so tight <laughs> holy shit but um so they're in washington and they drive over into oregon yeah and then they fly to their destination yeah they fly to their cabin and that's that's one of the things that I didn't think was necessary to start. Yeah. Well, by the time the movie ended, I was just like, yeah, why'd they even fly here? It's not as if it was reliant on them being able to get back or anything like, oh, yeah. we've only got one pilot or. Yeah, that never comes up. Well, because clearly only two of them or we only see two of them fly a plane. Well, yes. yeah, I had an issue with that and how they kind of concluded the movie, too. But I mean, we can we can get to that once we get to the final. So they have they got this bit. They have dinner. They all get to know each other. Gary Busey has a, a cool uh, a, speech about getting mistreated as a child. It's actually a pretty good monologue. Going through, I hated right that. Of manhood. I thought that was dog shit. It's a bad story. Pun intended. <laughs> it's a bad story, but his delivery is pretty good. It's very Gary Busey. Yes, it was too good. It was like cartoonish in a way that I was just like. But having been born in 1990 and his career was already over, that's the Gary Busey that I know. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that story was... To summarize the story, Gary Busey's dad gives him a bunch of firecrackers to throw at his new dog uh, that he got at eight years old. And he throws firecrackers at his dog until he trains his dog to attack this um, mannequin or dummy. And every time he throws a firecracker, the dog immediately attacks wherever the noise came from. So when Gary Busey turns 13, his dad's like, all right, I'm going to teach you how to be a man, pussy. You're going to throw some firecrackers at your goddamn dog until it attacks you. And either you die or he dies. And Gary Busey does it and he kills his dog, but he gets this scar on his cheek that's never alluded to again. Yeah, I didn't see it until he like pointed to it for the second time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which is just a, like a real scar that Gary Busey has. Like, this is an actual. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, you think that was Gary Busey actually talking about himself? <laughs> he didn't know yeah, that like the camera's on him? Improvise that. <laughs> <laughs> the camera just was on him for too long. And he was just like, like well, you might it. as well get your money. It's like, him. use it. Fucking use it. <laughs> <laughs> and John C. McGinley's character is like all in Ice T's ass for some reason. And he. I don't remember how this comes up, but John C. McGinley's like, do you have a family or something like that? And I, he's like, nah. And he's just like, yeah, I, John it, C. It McGinley. comes up that, like, asking him kind of what his story is. And he's like, I killed my wife and daughter. And John C. McGinley fucking loses it. It's like, this motherfucker's mine tomorrow. This bitch is mine tomorrow. And, like, if you would cut out that beginning part where they were hunting humans. Yeah. 
at the beginning of hunting a human. That would be the first indication otherwise. Like, that would be the first sign that something's off. But he's also, because he's, from the time they get off the plane, he's mean mugging him the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've watched Scrubs, it's an intense stare John C. McGinley has. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. Especially with that weird tiny mustache. And he's got a very specific look, too. Yeah. He's not like a handsome dude, but it's just like a very specific. He has a distinct face. Yeah. And it has like an intensity to it that isn't like it's chiseled, but not necessarily like handsome. Yeah. Yeah. Very. There's a lot of definition. Yeah. Anyway, after the dinner's over. There, no, before the dinner's over, Ice T is eating some of the pork that they prepared. They brought a pig. Yeah. Maybe they flew it in. I don't know how they did. The the pig is on the plane. Yes. Okay. So they did fly it. Yeah. And so they prepare the pig for dinner. And Ice T, the pig's head is brought to the table and it's staring at Ice T and he turns it away because he doesn't like looking at a dead pig's face he's a reasonable person yeah absolutely <laughs> three guesses who in this scene is not a reasonable person <laughs> oh turns out it's gary Busey because he turns the pig right back at ice tea it's like he's just making like, eat it while you look into its eyes that way you're eating its soul <laughs> and then wrecker howard is like chauncey mcginley's like did you know this pig was going to be this good before you prepared it and sutton's like yeah like it's come from experience but yeah it was had a pretty good idea and then wrecker howard talks about savoring the food Brenda for too long <laughs> and is like touching it on the fork and it's like pulls it off because iced tea is eating really quick because he's homeless he's hungry it's yeah like, he came from the streets he's like yo bitch this is the best meal i've had in a while so he's like savor it think about where the meat comes from and really take the time to see and feel and enjoy and he's just staring like dead-eyed across the table and i and mason's like all right you eat it the way you want to eat i'm either way i want to eat it he just keeps eating and then there's the weird gary Busey dog story and john c mcginley fucking loses his shit and then like go to bed we have a long like you know we got to go get you have your first day to get familiar with the area tomorrow and so he goes to sleep and wakes up to a fucking gun in his face. <laughs> Which is top, top five ways to wake up. <laughs> Number one, gun in your face. Number two, gun in your face. <laughs> Number, Number three, three, bullet in your face. <laughs> Number four, room's on fire already. Oh. Number five, stabbed to death. <laughs> you wake up just long enough to know that you've been stabbed. <laughs> and then you finish bleeding out. Oh, shit. <laughs> So Charles S. Sutton has a gun in Ice-T's face. One of the things that I really appreciate that they didn't do in this movie is make Ice-T out to be like some superhuman badass. I thought he was going to be ex-military. That's exactly what I thought, too. Uh, when when there was like the ambiguity around, oh, did he actually kill his wife and daughter? Did he have PTSD? Is this some? Is he going to use his survival skills developed from his time in the Green Beret to be able to take out all these guys hunting him? No, he was just some mechanic who lived in a bad part of town. Yeah, yeah he just he's just a smart enough. He's just smart enough to like trick these dudes a few times. Yeah, and I thought what was going to happen at this point was he was going to do one of those fancy rush hour, take your gun and turn it around on you things and shoot both of them and jump out of the window or something. And I was like, oh, well, this movie's going to be bad. Yeah, But, but it was nope. bad for another reason. <laughs> like, we're going to give you 
just enough time for us to eat a a nice leisurely breakfast. That's the exact <laughs> phrase is leisurely breakfast. And the son, who, again, completely unnecessary for the plot of this film, is like, I dad, I didn't know we were fucking hunting somebody. Like, Are we for real going to hunt this dude? Like, we're not really going to hunt him. Like, hey, don't be a fucking bitch. You're too much like your mother, you fucking pussy. Man the fuck up. Now eat your breakfast. I paid $50,000 for you to learn this lesson. And you better fucking learn it. And you, if you don't want to kill this homeless man, I'm going to disown you. I'm taking you out of the inheritance. So Ice-T is just booking it uh, into the woods while they eat breakfast. And then they all have motorbikes and ATVs and shit. Which I feel like is an unfair advantage yeah, already. Yeah. It's, you it's, only gave him like 20 minutes to get out of there. I thought yeah. they were going to give him kind of like a fighting chance. Like, oh, here's a gun with no bullets. The bullets are hidden somewhere out in the wilderness. But it would just go. Yeah. And I think if, not to say that like I would have, have a chance of surviving this situation, but I think what I would do is pretend to run away and then just come back. And if I'm running past like ATVs and shit, I would just hop on one and go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It takes him way too long to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. He runs away. Everybody hops on their ATVs and shit after they finish their leisurely breakfast to chase him. And that's when Ice-T, after a protracted chase, I'll be honest, I yeah. wasn't really quite paying attention until nope, John it's... C. McGinley was on his knees. <gasps> I saw him. <gasps> I saw him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got asthma or some shit. Yeah. But like, he sees him and no one else does and he shoots at him and like misses, but no one else like sees where he is, where Ice-T is. And... So they're now they're looking for him on foot. Ice T at this point decides to loop back around and go back to the house, reasoning that there got to be more weapons at the cabin. And he finds a room full of the heads of their previous victims with an empty vase with Mason on it. Oh no! Do you mean it was a Mason jar? Oh my well, God. show's over. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a good run. that gets into the biggest criticism i had with this movie other than the way that they opened it showing that guys are getting hunted from the get-go is every time ice t does something clever for no reason at all all the hunters say you know what something's wrong and then they immediately just know what's happening as soon like they thought of every possibility even when it goes completely tits up they're always like we know what he's gonna do now yeah we have a great idea of what this homeless man is thinking. So anyway, he goes back like, to the cabin. Of, they're like, none of them have ever done that before. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? He's looking for weapons in the cabin. He finds all those heads. And then all the hunters come back because they just magically know he's gone yeah. back to the cabin. But he's like dumping kerosene all over the fucking place. Yeah, that's that. That was this movie. I want to say handles uh quote unquote realism really well the victim in the situation makes good decisions throughout yes mm-hmm. and that's rare in a movie like yeah. this granted if this movie were remade today it would be like a lot more gory and like yeah. more horror and it'd probably be it'd probably be a bigger team maybe the same site like amount of hunters maybe still six hunters but probably like three victims and then two of them get killed in terrible ways and the third one has like think his way out of it yeah and then the kid would have a change of heart and end up killing the ultimate bad guy teaming up or like yeah like i totally expect him like team up instead he just fell off of a tree bitch (laughs) (laughs) he totally (laughs) just falls into a ravine that character didn't need to be there so unnecessary and neither did the father if i'm being honest well without the son there there's no conflict it's just a 
another person to kill. Yeah, but that conflict doesn't go anywhere. Exactly. So it's like, just get rid of the kid and just have five shitty dudes. And one of them kind of has a change of heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what? Maybe we shouldn't be hunting this dude. Maybe this dude specifically. I'm not about it. Yeah, just let him go. Yeah, whatever. And they don't do they promise him money if he wins? No, No. it's just if you make it back to civilization, then Then you you never see us again. (laughs) You get to live. The whole the job was all a ruse. It was just a way to get him out there. Yeah, I. I really thought some of the. decision-making process in this movie though it was handled well there are some things that i was like why wouldn't he just do this differently like for instance if he had flattened the tires uh of the people the first time he came across their vehicles or whatever just flattened their tires and just got away Yeah, because he could he didn't take gary Busey's knife which is a weird decision yeah yeah the the cabin set on fire and gary Busey. he finds gary Busey's it and he finds iced tea they start to fight iced tea throws him into the burning cabin before it explodes. I assume there's flammable liquid preserving he, the heads. He had a bunch, there was like explained. a bunch of, uh, presumably uh, gasoline for the vehicles and or the planes. Oh, yeah. And the reason it. why the other hunters didn't intervene is because they were on the other side of the house trying to save the father character yeah. from burning to death because he ran upstairs before Ice-T lit the place on fire. Yeah. And then the son sees Ice-T as he's escaping, and Rutger Hauer bullies him into, like, gesturing with his eyes like, in the direction. like, where'd he go? Where'd he fucking go, kid? Oh, yeah, if we didn't say it, Gary Busey is dead. Yeah, oh, Gary surprisingly, Busey. given his monologue from the beginning, yeah, he I thought dies. he was going to be maybe the second to last or even the last Yeah, I expected to be survive. him and Rutger Hauer at the end. Yeah, but I guess they couldn't afford him. <laughs> yeah, so he's out in <laughs> the beginning of Act 2. He's out of there. Yeah. And then he, Ice-T, manages to isolate. Isolate? <laughs> Show's over. Manages <laughs> <laughs> to get John C. McGinley alone, knocks him out, takes his gun. Oh, he did something really smart. He had the cigarettes left over Yeah, on Gary Busey had given him some cigarettes the night before. Yeah, smoke them. Smoke them all. And he goes to like have a cigarette while after he gets away after the fire. He gave me a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> Said, smoke up, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, wait a minute. And then it cuts away back to the hunters. And they're like, this stupid idiot is smoking a cigarette while he's being hunted. And it turns out Ice-T has just shoved them into like different spots and lit them so that they can't tell where the smoke is, where the smell is coming from. It's a good idea. And then, but like everything from that point on still just take, takes too long for the things to happen. But he finds John C. McGinley who goes off by himself for whatever reason. Knocks his ass out. And oh, this is after he jumps in the river, right? Yeah. Uh, he's being chased. He gets to the the top of some ravine with a river at the bottom he's getting shot at so he just jumps into the river worked in avatar can work in this yeah got lucky got super lucky he should have just smashed his bones yeah because when they're showing the shots of the river no parts of that were like deep enough to jump into yeah but whatever it's only we're only 40 minutes into the film so i had to keep going yeah but so he doesn't jump into a river and then after that that's when he does a cigarette trick yeah what was funny about that too is he's just come out of this river and he pulls the cigarettes out and still us, the dry. audience, why, why are they still dry? And they at least lampshade it with him saying, hmm, how about that? They're still dry. <laughs> yeah. So he knocks yeah. out John C. McGinley. 
ties them up and was like, yo, because they all have headsets on us while they're communicating over the sound of the bikes and shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yo, I got your boy. You're going to take me back to the city or I'm icing this fool. And like, whatever, dude, we don't give a shit. We're going to hunt you. We're going to find you and we're going to kill you. So they don't say like, yo, go ahead and fucking kill him. Yeah, but they're pretty, they're pretty ambivalent. Yeah. Indifferent. And so they, Ice-T and John C. McGinley have like a little talk about, you know, John C. McGinley's daughter got kidnapped or whatever by somebody. Kidnapped and killed presumably so. by a homeless person because they're like which is he, why why he has so much disdain for your kind when he says that to mason yeah and they could have gone way harder on the racism he's from te- he's explicitly from texas that's yes. what i thought it was about too and then he's like oh no it was a vagrant who killed her I'm like oh well, like okay. all right whatever and so i'm sure that's what you meant yeah i'm was, not racist but <laughs> he was like i know you're a piece of shit because you you admitted to killing your wife and daughter he was like yeah, I just didn't uh, maintain our building and a fire happened in our fucking tenement house and I couldn't save them. So in my eyes, I killed them. I was like, all right, well, that's a thing. Doesn't help us. I don't, doesn't move the plot along at all. But it gets John C. McGinley on his side and Ice-T takes off with McGinley's gun. The other hunters go to like the little spot that they were holed up in. And McGinley's like, yo, Maybe we shouldn't kill this dude. He's not as bad as I thought he was. And he's like, I can't stop you guys from doing it, but I'm going home. Oh, yeah. That that was another instance of um, omniscience by the hunters. They don't know where John C. McGinley is, except Rutger Hauer says, I know where he is. Look, he's up in that cave. I've known the whole time. Well, to be fair, he did have his lights on. Yeah, which is a stupid idea. He's like, yeah, we'll just wait him out till he'll be up all night like looking for us and we'll be nice and rested and we'll fucking get the jump on him. Yeah. And he doesn't because ice tea leaves and nice plan. Rutger Hauer. The next morning is when they round up John C. McGinley and they're talking there. They're sitting in the chatting and that's when John C. McGinley says, I'm going home. But this is the part that I don't understand. Like, so Rutger Hauer kills him or Charles C. Dutton kills him. Yeah. And I'm like, why? He's been doing this with you. It's like he's going to report, like he's going to go to the authorities or anything. Yeah. He's, he's given comp- no indication that he's going to turn yeah, them he in just either. And he's not even like, hey, we should not do this anymore. He's like, I don't want to kill this particular guy. Yeah. He's cool. He's, he's cool. I just jumped. I jumped the gun, so <laughs> to speak, the other night at dinner. He's fine. Yeah. So I'm going to go home. You guys do what you're going to do. I'll see you back at the plane. And they fucking kill him. I I think it would have been really good if they played up their eagerness to kill a human. Yeah. Because, like, he's... Spoilers for later in the movie, <laughs> but Rutger Hauer kills one of them as well. Yeah. And it's just like... Yeah, like, is this about the death or about, like, the thrill of the hunt? Like, what is this actually about? Yeah. Looks like he got his rocks off anyway. Anyway, Ice Cube is on the radio and he's talking to them. And he f- he shoots a shotgun from like fucking a thousand feet away or something. And I thought that was a really good hint to like to show that he wasn't a super soldier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is like, oh fuck. Yeah. He just fucking yips it. He completely misses. And they were like, "That was way off. What are you doing?" So he he goes into the river again. Like he goes that way to kind of throw him off the throw him off his trail 
And there's another time he does something pretty smart where he goes back to their vehicles. And this is the part where he should have slashed their tires yeah. or mm-hmm. deflated their tires and taken a vehicle and left. Yeah. But he gets back. He a hot wire. He like takes the ignition from one of the ATVs and puts it into the gas tank, which is pretty cool. I thought. Yeah, and, very smart. But leaves the other motor, like leaves the other bike, and tries to take one of. Or there's two more bikes, and he tries to take one of the ATVs, and so he goes to leave, and they all run back, and like they catch him, like while he's driving, he was driving away. Wrecker Hauer goes to shoot. But instead of shooting him in the back, like he very easily could have, just shoots one of the tires out. The thrill of the It's hunt. about the thrill of the hunt. And then uh, Charles S. Dutton goes like chase on his ATV and it fucking explodes. And he like blows his fucking legs off. And he's like bleeding everywhere. And he's just like fucking in shock and just babbling. And Riker Howard goes over and he's just like, hey, we're going to have to put you down. <laughs> It's the end of the road, and he does like some fucking Vulcan touch to the. Well, he throat. just he just he what he does is he uh, pinches his arteries. He blocks his arteries, and so he just like slowly just like suffocates. He's already bleeding out, but like it's just a dumb. Why wouldn't you just put a bullet in your boy's head instead right. of just choking him to death? That's part of the reason why I think it's like yo, these guys are just horned up by. Yeah. Uh, by killing yeah he probably busted in that moment you yeah <laughs> you ever bust with your boys in a forest <laughs> after killing one of them <laughs> so, we all bust together <laughs> <laughs> oh shit even the even the son was like yo i came a little bit <laughs> i was sick so ice t crashes the atv because the tire got shot out and this is somehow the first injury he gets yeah, and he's like hobbling for the next like ten minutes, but he's fine after that. Yeah, yeah. And so this is the part of the movie that's like super fucking stupid, but actually very smart. So he takes the shotgun, yes, and he shoots down a tree. He's like, I can't, he runs up to this ravine. He's he like he can't. He definitely can't jump into the river again, and it's there's no way around. So he shoots this tree with the shotgun to try to make it fall over and be like so he could cross the ravine on this log i was like that's a that's a cartoon idea like, that's yeah fucking stupid also based on where you're shooting it it's gonna fall back on you <laughs> but whatever <laughs> they don't have time to research how felling a tree works <laughs> they got a screenplay to write in cocaine to do yeah yeah hell yeah but it falls over and they like they can hear him shooting because it's a fucking shotgun. And so they're heading to where he's at. They, they catch up and they get to the, like, that son of a bitch. He fucking did it. And so they're like, well, I guess we got to follow him. And they go and they start like crawling across. And the son's like, he's at this point after they, after Rucker Howard killed, like Mercy killed his boy. The son's like, hey, dad, I'm going to fuck. Look, we're going to get through this. But after this, I'm fucking done. I'm out of here. I'm not fucking with you anymore this is too much i'm not like you dad and so we jump to them crossing a tree and the kid's like fuck you dad fuck you and this goes like crawl on crawl across on his own like oh well this kid's fucking dead there's no reason to put that interaction in this scene if something doesn't happen to one of these two characters yeah and so wrecker howard is most of the way across 
the sun is about halfway and F. Murray Abraham is also like starting to climb over and turns out Ice-T didn't climb across. He's fucking behind him. Starts fucking hucking rocks at him because he used all the, he used all the shotgun shells to uh, knock the tree Very over. smart. Yeah, that's right. Very smart. So he's fucking hucking rocks at him trying to get him to fall and Riker Howard doesn't fall. He's already made it. He's already made it all the way across. Kid's and not so lucky. Kid right in the middle fucking falls. He's like, dad, dad, dad. you gotta help me. Help I'm sleeping. And he doesn't fucking make it. The kid falls and dies. He, you can tell CrossFit hadn't been invented then. <laughs> yeah. Just no core strength at all. Yeah. Dog. He would have been able to get right back on without an issue. Right. Fucking pussy. So now the dad's incensed. He's like, he's fucking mine. I'm going to fucking kill him. He's mine. And like, yo, my workers are always like, hey, bro, be cool. We'll yeah, get him. Relax. We'll get him tonight. It's going to be dark soon. We'll get him. He'll he'll try to come up on us, and we'll get him. Or we'll just catch him in the morning. He's tired. He hasn't been eating or drinking this whole time. We got him. Abraham pulls out his pistol. He's like, when he's dead, we settle up, pussy. Hey, he licks his lips in the weirdest, <laughs> like, most uncomfortable yo, you way. Gonna, uh, whatever. It's like SpongeBob. <laughs> like, I can't remember in what context he was licking his lips all crazy. Krabby it was related patties, to maybe. ice cream. Only 90 babies, 90s babies will remember. Anyway. <laughs> Rutger Hauer and uh, F. F. Murray Abraham. Abraham. F. Murray Abraham, wait at night. And Murray Abraham is out here twisted. He's fucking losing it. He's like, go out, Ice-T, where are you? Face me, coward. (laughs) Face me, man to man. You're mine. And Ice-T just pops up like a fucking ghost. (laughs) So he's like... Ice T is running, but it's like it keeps cutting these shots of F. Murray Abraham like spinning around, pointing his pistol into the darkness, and it's like, oh, there's a wolf and there's a deer, and it's like, was that Ice T? And he's just like shooting into the darkness. And Rucker Howard's hunting target, <laughs> and Rucker Howard's just like in this little like hidey hole he made. And he's like putting on grease paint and shit for no reason. <laughs> covers his entire face. He covers his well. And it's a good the idea the- that they removed most of that makeup for the daytime. Yeah. Oh yeah, the end of that scene when it's like the next morning he has nothing on his face. Yeah, like did, so why was he putting that did on? Ice team wait until four forty five in the morning so it would immediately be sunrise again because that's what happened. They pull some like uh, they pull some dark night. Re- oh yeah, um, dark night rises the, shit. The longest tunnel in the world. Nighttime when they go in, daytime when they come out, dude. So or is it the other way? It's right? the other yeah. way because Batman looks stupid during the day. <laughs> F. Murray Abraham is murdered by Ice T. Yeah, he shoots all of his he shoots all of his rounds like fucking idiot, and then Ice T pops up in front of him, and they have a little scuffle. And does does Rutger Howard shoot him then? No, no he oh, Rutger Howard shot him in the canyon. Right, uh, he that's right. So Rutger Howard takes aim while he's standing on the tree with a pistol, and he shoots Ice T. An injury that doesn't come up again in the movie. Yeah, he hits him in the abdomen because, like, even when they fight hand to hand later, he never like you know that action movie thing where he, like you punch the injury. Yeah, it doesn't come up. So Ice T now has crashed an ATV and like fucked up his leg and also been shot in the abdomen. And he was still able to fuck up F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, they fight. Uh, he almost gets. Almost has him, and then like fucking flips him over. Whatever he, uh, Rutger Hauer, and he runs away. Murray Abraham is killed. Runs away like a bitch. Yeah, he just he hops on his motorcycle. <laughs> he jets, and I see he's like birds. <laughs> it was really good. And he takes the ATV, like the last ATV, 
and like books it back to the cabin where the plane is the planes are and here's here's my issue with that scene where i think they messed up the ending uh ice T gets to the plane and he sees that the engine's on, but there's nobody in the cockpit. And that's when Rutger Hauer, who's in his little sniper spot, hidey hole far away, starts shooting the fuel tank. And then the plane blows up as Mason runs away. And you're not really sure if he survived or not. I mean, obviously he survived, but they never really show. Him. But at this point there are seven minutes left in the film. So you're like, yeah. well, where are they going to go with it? this? So it blows up and then it immediately cuts to, Rutger Hauer starting up the other plane and he flies away and you think oh okay so Ice-T got away from the explosion and he's hiding in the I other totally plane I totally him to be in the plane which is how he makes it back to Seattle and then he'll he'll kill Rutger Hauer in some way but that's not what happens he just he's he's just lying on the ground after the plane takes off covered in dirt somehow cut, smash cut to Seattle three days later the first time we find out that it's in Seattle <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah and then rutger hauer is putting on like he's makeup, dying his hair rogaine whatever gravy gone yeah, just for, for men, men just please. for men yes he's putting on just for men and he's wearing a priest outfit with a scottish like golfer's cap yeah i'm like what is this outfit because he also has like a braid in the back it might be like a russian orthodox catholic maybe because oh, okay. at first i was like is he doing like is he dressed up like a chinese chauffeur right now like what is happening <laughs> this this was a very strange scene that felt totally tacked on it's like yeah. how do we resolve this without them without him killing Riker hauer in the forest mm-hmm. which would have been the best way to end it because how does how does ice T know that they're from seattle well, presumably, that's where they were at the beginning. They well, just don't establish that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he goes to his office, question. and he's yeah, yeah. still at his office. Because the senior and junior, their wife calls his office. So we know he's back at his office. Yeah, yeah. So Ice-T go No. Rutger Hauer tries to leave. His car won't start. And you can see Rutger Hauer's, like, military uniforms and his yeah. passports. So he's probably got multiple identities already started up. Yeah. So he gets ready to leave. His car won't start. And he's got his little violin or guitar case with his bullpup in it. And he, like, starts running down the street. He's like, oh, shit. And this old lady comes out. Well, that's, just, that's weird because he doesn't know that Ice-T is still alive. So why would he have only his gun and his briefcase yeah right that's a weird choice the old lady's kind of incidental and she's like father do you have any change he's like get fucked old lady (laughs) i'm I'm homeless and he's like fuck off so he keeps moving and then he sees a motorbike yes and he puts it together then he's like bust out the strap but how did Ice T get the gas in order to get back? Because it, it's, it's it's three days, which is not an unreasonable distance, even like if he had to walk. But again, he's been shot in the abdomen and he fucked up his right leg. But and how, did he, an how did he pay for the gas? How did he pay? They for did it? give him twelve dollars cash. Oh, okay. At the beginning, when they first got to the cabin. Do you think he was still carrying that on him? Oh, I was just going to say even he used his homeless panhandling skills to get some gas Look, if those money. cigarettes survived uh, him jumping in the river, he probably had that $200 somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Or there was like more cash in somebody's, like in one of the bags or some shit. Whatever. Yes. He makes it back using the motorbike, leaves it in the alley. And uh, so Riker Howard's like scoping out. Ice-T jumps down, kicks him in the fucking face. Hi-ya. They scuffle. And then at one point he gets, he manages to get the gun and 
Rucker Howard is like kind of hard a little bit. Like he's like <laughs> ready to get killed. And I see, finish the game. Please Thanks. kill me. And I see doesn't do it. And he, he just like, shouts bang in his face. Yeah. He clears the gun from the lesson at, that he learned at the beginning so of the movie. Yeah, we skipped over it. But he did find a gun in the trash while they were looking for food at the beginning of the movie before Hank dies. And Hank's like, one thing you always got to do when you find a gun is you check the barrel. Because what will happen is if anything blocking it, it'll get jammed and it'll blow your fucking hand off. And then it's not brought up again. He's like, I can sell this gun. Like, I can get money for this gun whether it's got bullets or not. And then it doesn't come up again. And except for like a scene five minutes later, he's like pulls it on a security guard. Yeah. But whatever. World's most morally questionable guard points a gun in a guy's face point blank and then pulls the trigger. Yeah. Like, did you want the viscera in your shit as well? You're so close. That's also real bad for your ears, man. Like you've never shot a gun before. So he uh, unloads the gun, takes the one bull out of the chamber, takes the magazine out. Leaves the gun on the ground, walks down the alley, tosses the magazine like over the fence or some shit, and starts walking away. Rucker Howard's like, he runs up, grabs the gun, gets the one bullet, and it's like, lucky me, puts it back in the chamber. <laughs> Famous and last words. Goes to shoot Ice T in the back, and then the camera zooms in to the barrel of the gun, and there's fucking cigarettes cramped in there. And. Rucker Harrow fires the gun Ice and the like, mannequin. <laughs> Ice-T's like, no burns. One thing you want to do every time you find a gun. <laughs> Check the barrel. Roll <laughs> credits. <laughs> and that's the end of that. God damn, that movie was a stinky pooper. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the worst movie that I've watched it's for the show. It's just too long. It if ex- it had been a 45-minute short film. Yeah. Could have been a TV special. Yeah. It, it exceeded my low expectations. I totally expected it to be fucking terrible. I was like, this, with the like we said at the beginning, with the cast, this was either going to be great or fucking awful. And it was somewhere in the middle. I think that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, that's correct. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. I still hold it down that my Blue Valentine was the worst one that I've seen on this <laughs> this podcast. We haven't watched too many bad ones though. At least I, I mean, Cool World was a bad one. Oh, actually, yeah. This is is this better than Cool World? Worth. I think this is better than Cool World. because yeah. oh, exactly. at least it's a single idea executed from beginning to end. That's true. Yeah, Cool World was fucking trash. What a bad movie. Anyway, after the break. We'll uh, be back with our titular segment, No Concessions. back just as a reminder to you everybody listening to this we're going to an every other week schedule and there is no more patreon i i put the ad breaks in there initially to advertise the patreon but now i'm just gonna put random shit in there if i don't know i'll find stuff to just jam into those ad breaks (laughs) there's nothing to advertise really so enjoy the fucking show not yet 
mattress advertiser. <laughs> <laughs> Tell all your friends so I can make more money doing this than I do my normal job. I think Casper has some competition now. They need to uh, yeah, step it up. Purple. Yeah, Purple's been fucking killing it in terms of annoying me with the podcast ads. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that Zoom, the, the fast forward 30 seconds button is for. I just yeah. hammer that a few Man, times. As an aside, I love advertisements that are exactly 30 seconds. Shout out to every advertisement that's like, look, we get it. You might not want to hear these ads. It's going to be exactly 30 seconds. And so at the point where I'll listen to a podcast where they just let the host of the podcast just like riff, riff on the ad copy. Oh I'm like, God. what the fuck? Why is this ad for Quip two and a half minutes long? Now, you guys listen to the dollop. They have like... 10 minutes at the start of every episode that's either ads or they're talking about the live shows they're that's why i don't listen to the dollop anymore straight up i I just couldn't couldn't take it it's too long every time and it's like a variable amount of time as well so i can't just drag the slider forward yeah that's what i used to listen to joe rogan's podcast a few years ago surprise surprise that's how i know it's bad anyway uh I used to listen to his show and he would do that same shit for the the podcast version. It would be between 15 and 20 minutes That's of fucking wild. And it's just him. He'll sit there, he'll have copy, but then he'll just do some random tangent in the middle of the copy and then go back to reading the copy. Yeah. So the ad is longer than 15 seconds or 30 seconds. It just becomes like this five minute blurb about random bullshit. Yeah. He'll be like, yeah, so on it, uh, they make these great uh, these great neurological things, supplements that you can take. Neurotropics, you guys. Neurotropics. And, oh, you know what? I did psilocybin, man. It's <laughs> fucking like, crazy. We fucking, we fucking know, Joe Rogan. Or, oh, man, you ever try to do a kickflip? Even though that's not <laughs> how he talks. But Shout out to iHeartMedia for all their podcasts having either 30-second or one-minute ads. It's yeah. perfect for skipping through. Yep. I hear the break music. I hit skip ahead. I hear the return from break music, and we're fucking golden. Yeah. I never figured out how to do exactly 30 seconds of copy, so that's why all the ad breaks for this show were just weird times. <laughs> it's like, oh, this ad is a minute and seven seconds. <laughs> well, half of it is occupied by you saying, Patreon. That's true. That's true. Uh, no more Patreon, so that's not going to be a a problem so we're just gonna no do consent. bits huh we're just gonna do bits yeah. <laughs> anyway <laughs> titular segment also quick aside the inflation rate from 94 to 2019 is 73 percent so something that cost you 20 dollars then would cost you 35 dollars now okay so he was, he was making some pretty decent money yeah hell yeah not, like not crazy but it's still pretty good so he was making 3500 dollars in that two thousand dollar month yeah that's pretty good mm-hmm. it's pretty decent yeah Anyway, titular segment, no concessions, where we make a case for our least favorite or favorite movies. What have you guys, what did you guys bring in with you today? You go first, because I could go either way. Really? Okay. I've got a a positive one, and I'm totally going to improvise it, because I originally, I was going to do Lost Highway, just to come in with the Gary Busey link, but (laughs) I already talked about that a little bit. Lost Highway is good. You should check it out. It's not as good as Blue, or uh, Mulholland Drive. That's probably peak David Lynch, but... Uh, Lost Highway is a a good close second. That's not my no concessions. I've got a positive one, and this may be contentious, not for necessarily the audience listening, but for me, 
maybe two years ago me (laughs) i'm gonna say matrix reloaded i've come around on that i loved it a lot when i first saw it as a youngin and then i hated it because of course it can't compare to the original matrix but uh thanks to you uh tip from charles on a cool used movies and video game store close to my house i picked up the ultimate matrix collection on blu-ray for cheap and to justify my purchase, I decided to rewatch a couple of the old ones. And Matrix Reloaded, it's it's really grown on me. Uh, it like I still prefer Matrix One, but at the same time, uh, love it or hate it, the Wachowskis' vision in what they wanted to do with two and three, which are basically one long movie, not yeah. necessarily two uh, movies two and three of a trilogy. It's rather than okay, let's, let's explore the idea of what if the real world is a simulation that's run by AI and you are the chosen one, which is what the first one does. The second one... Like, what does is, that mean going forward? Yes, it is 100% world building, mostly focusing on Zion and the implications of if there was a real messiah among, like, our band of rebels, what would be everybody's reaction to that? Would there be... Uh, a cult of people who follow after him and believe that everything he does is destined to happen. Are there skeptics who are just worried about the reality of, Hey, there's a lot of fucking machines coming to kill all of us in our main city. Maybe we should worry about that a little bit more than this Oracle or one or prophecy or anything. Uh, the action is super cool. Well executed. The CG is actually stands up surprisingly Hmm. well. Uh, I was just watching it a little bit before I came over here. And yeah, Matrix Reloaded. Definitely check it out. Also, uh, all the Blu-ray copies of this trilogy, they have commentary tracks by uh, critics who dislike the movies and philosophers who like the movies. It's uh, two critics, two philosophers, two sets of tracks for all three. And there's a lot of cool stuff that the philosopher guys riff on while... Uh, they're watching the movie. A lot of stuff having to do with like choice and what does that mean and does free will exist? I guess start buying Blu-ray. Fucking sick! I guess start yeah. buying Blu-rays again just for commentaries because That's I the, fucking love that is a the good that is the only reason I buy movies. Like I'll look at something and if the special features are just like three behind-the-scenes featurettes on was like, what was the CGI like? To I don't make. need to watch Tom Holland flip around a green room. I just. Or yeah. it's if the only special features is, yeah, here's David Fincher talking about Gone Girl for two hours. I'm like, oh, yes, that's a sale. Fun aside from that one, I also, I really like finding these little audio Easter eggs and commentaries. David Fincher has a reputation for taking take after take of all his movies. Yeah. So he calls that out specifically for Gone Girl. Uh, it's just a scene where Neil Patrick Harris parks a car and gets out of it. And David Fincher says, as the scene opens, yeah, a lot of people try and criticize me for taking a lot of takes, but we managed to get this one in take two. So all of my critics can go and fuck themselves. (laughs) Yes, this is why I love commentaries. This guy, I'm trying to remember what movie it's on, but there's one Ben Affleck movie where he's hungover as shit. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Chasing Amy. Good no. hunting. Maybe it was Dogma. Yeah, I believe that it was one it was, of like the. It was in the two thousands. But yeah, there's. I like. I just remember listening to clips of it. And I'm like, this dude is either still drunk or so hungover he wants to kill us. Oh, yeah. related to that, also from Dogma, but it's uh, Kevin Smith's commentary. He's talking about the scene 
where Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck are on some bus and Kevin Smith is criticizing their acting. Says, yeah, they were kind of tired, especially Ben. I wasn't getting what I wanted out of them. But they were just at the Oscars winning Best Original Screenplay for Goodwill Hunting <laughs> the night before. So I guess I can forgive them for it. <laughs> Another not. audio Easter egg. They're nice. great. My no concessions is not Matrix Reloaded. It's just audio commentaries of movies. On the other side of that, uh, Paul Verhoeven on the Total Recall commentary that I made the mistake of listening to a few minutes of uh, was talking about how I think it was Sharon Stone who plays uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's fake wife at yeah. the beginning of the movie. So he was talking about how in one of his previous films, she was like shy about doing nudity. And he was just like, yeah, like as a kind of way to get back at her, I made her do something extra sexy in this movie, even though she didn't want to. And I was just like, this is gross. Uh, and I turned it off. I was like, yo, Paul Verhoeven, you're a real trashy, weird dude. Keep that shit to yourself, player. Not all Easter eggs are worth finding, you guys. Yeah, this one was Some like of them are rotten. Thousand-year-old duck eggs. <laughs> all right, Charles, what you got for us? I'm going to go with the musical Little Shop of Horrors. The movie, the musical? The movie, the musical. Okay. I've seen several stage productions of it, and I got to say the movie is still my favorite version of that particular production. It's really fun. The cast looks like they're enjoying it. It's really impressive uh, puppet work by the Henson Company on Audrey 2. I really like a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, like elements of it, but it's overall like a really enjoyable film. I can watch it literally anytime. It's a good musical for people who don't like musicals. That's me right here. Because the music is pretty straightforward. Like, the music is still enjoyable, and most of the music doesn't actually carry the plot at all. It's, like, there's a handful of songs that act there, maybe, like, two or three songs that are actually plot relevant. The other ones are just, like, random bops that they, like, slide into, like, to establish someone's character. Like, the dentist song is a fucking jam that um, Steve Martin nails. Mean Green Mother is one of the plot relevant songs that like explains that the fucking plan is from space. Spoilers for a musical from 40 years ago based on a movie from 60 years ago starring a young Jack Nicholson. But the musical Little Shop of Horrors starring Rick Moranis is great. It's a lot of fun. Fun fact about the end of that the end of that movie and the Green Mean Green Mother sequence, it's shot at half speed so that the animatronics can Move uh, twice as fast. Yeah, so they just speed up the footage uh, and sync the audio later. Uh, cool. So that's why Audrey 2 looks so fucking good, despite being a pup, a giant puppet that had to be operated by 27 people. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I but hate musicals. If you don't like musicals, probably don't watch it. But if you're on the fence about musicals, Little Shop Before is not going to get you into musicals, but it's fun to watch through. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's actually a pretty cool monster movie. And if you can get the DVD or just like watch it and then find on YouTube, the alternate, the original ending where the plants win. Okay. It's a great sequence that has a bunch of the plants fucking up New York city. And like then eventually a bunch of other cities. Cool. That song is also really good. All right. I'm going to go back to the diehard pool. Diehard. The first one is a really, I know this is a layup. I know it's a layup. It's the world's greatest Christmas movie. Stop it. <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. It's, 
it's a really great action movie and it does a lot of good character work with John McClane even though it's cliched it's still a lot of fun to watch well did they do all that sort of stuff before those tropes became cliched I think it was in the midst of them becoming cliches so I guess before mm-hmm. it was in the gradient basically in the zone of when this stuff started becoming cliched because that that movie came out in what like 90 oh okay I thought it was earlier than that I gotta look it up now oh it came out in 88 still like not not exactly on the forefront of lone invincible hero taking on armies of guys yeah yeah Alan Rickman has a really great performance in the movie. Yeah, he does. Wasn't that his first film role, too? In America, I think. Okay. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Stuff in the UK doesn't count. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. R.I.P. Alan Rickman. R.I.P. Rutger Hauer. Yeah, he just died. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Full four months ago, but, you know, just died. It's it's a fantastic action movie. It's very contained. It makes it makes logical sense. They do a lot of things that action movies don't take into consideration now where you have something from the beginning of the film he takes off his shoes and that impacts him throughout the movie, although it doesn't necessarily slow him down a whole lot. It leaves clues for the bad guys and it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a great movie to watch. It's a layup, I know. There's not much I can say about it aside from that. But you should check it out if you haven't seen it. It's probably one of the best action movies ever created. And if you have seen it, check it out again. Yeah. Watch it as many times as you can. Again, happy birthday, Charles. Yeah. And uh, thank you very much. I'm turning 29 on the 29th. Oh, wow. So you'd figure I've got something special planned, right? Yes. (laughs) Isn't that really? There's like a term for that. Uh, I've heard golden birthday, but whenever I tell people that, they say, you just made that up. I've never (laughs) heard of that in my entire life. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, I wasn't going to call you out, but that does sound fake. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm getting out ahead of it. Good shit. PR 101. (laughs) My extensive background in PR. Now you just got to call somebody the N word. Ooh, ooh. And then insist that you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, you have to understand the context in which it was said. Well, the thing about the N word is that everyone's using the N word all the time. So I don't know why it's such a big deal <laughs> that they're saying the N word all the time. It's like, wait, this is about you saying the N word. Well, let's tell that to Jay Z. He's like, what? what? Jay Z's not. He goes, <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. Have a happy Halloween. Get spooky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>